There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Excited to be with you again for another week. Uh, I'm Chris Cooper. I help uh, organizations to um, elevate their performance, to developing their leaders, their people, building highly engaged workforces. And I work with uh, solo entrepreneurs through to large corporate organizations. And today I'm going to be talking with Robbie Kelman-Baxter. We're going to be talking about subscription services. But before I do that, I want to say a big thank you uh, to my, my guests, uh, Frank Lewis and John Jennings from last week, who um, talked about uh, being an independent director. Uh, in Europe, we call that being a non-executive director and shared us with all sorts of thoughts and ideas and inspiration as to how, if that's what you want to do um, in your career, when maybe a, bit, a little bit later on in your career, how to go and do that really effectively. So, yeah, so today I'm very, very excited to be talking to uh, somebody who I've got to know uh, know a little bit over the last few weeks, and we've been helping each other out on on one or two, uh, two things. And Robbie Kelman-Baxter is uh, a fascinating lady. In fact, she's been described as the world expert on subscription pricing and membership models. And when you hear about some of the clients she's working with, you'll know that's, uh, that's a fact. And I think this whole area of subscription services and kind of membership programs is a, an area which is really, really growing globally. You have to look at the models of the likes of Netflix and various apps that you might use on, uh, on your phone. Or uh, Everybody's really trying to develop this relationship, uh, a lifetime relationship with uh, clients. And for decades, it's been, it's been happening. I mean, consumers and businesses, they've joined clubs, bought products, accessed services using a subscription model. But in recent years, that model has been transformed and perfected through this, these incredible changes that we have in technology. Now, Robbie Kelman-Baxter is the founder of Peninsula Strategies, LLC. It's a management consulting firm, and she's the author of the best-selling book, The Membership Economy, and has a new book, The Forever Transaction, which was released in April this year. Her clients have included incredible organizations like Netflix, The Wall Street Journal, Microsoft, just to name just a few. And therefore, we're going to talk today about your organization, how you can build loyalty, viral growth, recurring revenue, uh, whether you're a small business, whether you're a big corporate. Um, so we're going to welcome today um, a, a tremendous guest and speaker, uh, Robbie Kelman-Baxter. So Robbie, great to have you on the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. You're, you're very welcome indeed. And uh, you live in a very lovely place, fascinating place in the world, um, Stanford in California. Tell, tell us a, how long have you lived there? And <laughs> We like moved. Kind of- yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to live here. I'm almost... Uh, a lifer, almost a native. I when I was when I was four years old, my parents were living in Brooklyn, New York. My father was working for a Wall Street firm, and the person in the bullpen next to him had gone to Stanford Law School and said, "Joel, we should go to California and start a law firm there." And so they packed up, and I've lived here, you know, with a few with a few breaks for for school and and so on. I've lived here ever since, uh, in the what's become the heart of of Silicon Valley in in Menlo Park, California. And it's, uh, you know, from a weather perspective, you can't beat it. And uh, there's so many interesting companies and interesting people here. It's it's really a wonderful place to live. It seems like a real hive of activity. I, I remember many years ago going to that area myself and. And I went to, I was taken to see a American football game at, in Palo Alto. I think it was at Stanford, I think. Yeah. At, yeah. We have big football here, big football stadium at Stanford. Oh my word. 42 and a half thousand people. I could just couldn't yeah. believe it for a college game. It's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. 
It's, we love our football here. <laughs> I saw one of the one of the big football coaches. You know, we're still at this time in in, in July of 2020, really struggling with uh, coronavirus in the United States. And one of the big uh, college football coaches just said, "But America needs football. They need it." <laughs> so, so they're they're pushing to come back. <laughs> we're the same over here. They're they're playing in quiet stadiums at the moment. Um, I, I take my kids to see a, a Premier League football team. Uh, usually whenever they're at home and uh, we're, we're so missing it and it's very strange watching on the TV with no crowds at the moment. Um, yeah. but let's hope it will be back soon and we get a bit of normality. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, is, how is it affecting you at the moment? Well, you know, um, as you as you kindly mentioned, my book came out in, in April of this year and I had expected to be traveling to, you know, Paris and London and Washington, D.C. and New York and Asia uh, to talk about the book. And of course, all of that is is gone. I, you know, spent day after day at my at my desk, uh, you know, remotely talking to those places. But that's a very different way of, of interacting. Um, I think that's kind of the biggest uh, on the personal side. My kids are home from college, uh, so they're living at home. And then, you know, from a business perspective, uh, we're seeing a real uptick in interest in subscription, um, partially because the subscription businesses are proving to be the most resilient of businesses during this this time of great disruption, and because consumers are needing uh, to re to to reconsider their habits and find new ways to entertain themselves, to get their work done, to connect with their colleagues and their loved ones. And so they're looking to subscription, digital subscription offerings to fill that gap. Ah, well, I think you've, 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 it's an amazing niche that you've, uh, you've kind of put yourself in and become a real expert in. I'm, I'm just intrigued. You mentioned that you, you were brought up in New York and then you moved out to California with your kind of father. Tell us a little bit about life, what it was like for you growing up. And I know you had a really fascinating education as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, it was fascinating for me. Uh, so when I was four, uh, we moved to California. So um, most of my schooling's been been here in Menlo Park. Uh, I went to public schools here uh, at a time of of great change. And when I was growing up, Menlo Park was uh, a, a college a college town um, and a suburb, uh, kind of a commuter a commuter town for San Francisco. And uh, my dad's firm was one of the first businesses, you know, kind of bigger businesses down here in, in the mid-peninsula. Um, so that was kind of, it's been kind of interesting to see all of these, you know, to really grow as a tech center. Um, Menlo Park, that the little town where I grew up, is the home to Facebook. Facebook's, you know, global headquarters are here. It's also the home to uh, Sand Hill Road, which is where all the major venture capital firms are located, um, as well as lots of other, I mean, you know, every town on our in our little strip is, you know, it's LinkedIn and Google and eBay and, um, you know, there's just dozens of, of smaller companies as well all around. Um, but my, my life was pretty, I would say, you know, you, we always think our own life is normal, ordinary. Uh, but I, you know, I, I grew up in Miller Park. I, um, I went to Harvard for college um, after spending a year in Switzerland as an exchange student to get a, a taste of, uh, of something different. Uh, very, very different to be in New England um, on the East Coast of the United States after being in, in California. Uh, I learned how to um, wear, wear real shoes and not just sandals. And I had to buy my first winter coat. Uh, I studied poetry there. Uh, so that's just a little plug for all you uh, liberal arts concentrators out there. <laughs> you can still have a great business career. And I, I always think that, you know, liberal arts, it, it's very hard to get your first job after university, but it's by your third job, your liberal arts background, I think, becomes a real advantage and not a liability. Uh, and it's great. It's great for, I mean, I'm interested in what you think too, Chris, but I found that it's great for, for leadership and for strategy and for connecting with people. Uh, having that kind of background has been, has been tremendously valuable to me. Uh, and, and then, you know, I worked for the city of New York uh, for, for two years doing uh, an urban fellows program. And then I went uh, to Booz Allen for two years and then 
business school and then product management. And then five years into that, I got laid off while I was on maternity leave. And I said, I'm going to be in control of my own career. And uh, I haven't looked back. Uh, <laughs> that was when my my now 19-year-old was uh, six months old. I, I left the corporate world and uh, and I've, I've really loved being a you know subject matter expert, consultant, author, speaker. That's been a, it's been a really fascinating life. Amazing. And how was it? What is it like you know, setting that company up with young, a young family? How did you balance you know, yeah, what was to well, become a you know, busy life from what I, I've read about yeah. you? Well, at first I just said, all I, my only goal for my independent consulting is can I, can I support my share of our family you know, expenses? So I'd, I'd had a job as a you know, director of product and I got laid off and I said, okay, I have to at least earn that much money. So I had a pretty low bar at the beginning, but about a year into it, um, I realized that I really needed to have an area of expertise or I needed to build a big firm if I wanted to really thrive as a consultant. And so I started looking around for an area of expertise that I could, that I could claim and it had to be uh, big enough uh, that there'd be plenty of work and also that it would be interesting, you know, that, that there would be enough for me to learn and do for a long period of time. Um, you don't want to be the expert of something that's so narrow that no one needs you and you learn it all, you know, in a couple of months. But on the other hand, as a solopreneur, you really can't credibly claim to be the world's expert on strategy, right? I mean, or, or some kind of, you know, or retail, something so big. So I was looking and looking and thinking, and then I I got Netflix as a client, as you mentioned, and I fell in love with their business model. I'd already fallen in love with them as a consumer uh, with young children having three DVDs out at a time and always having something to watch and no late fees. But working with Netflix, I saw the power of subscription and the power of a direct-to-consumer relationship and all of the data that they were able to generate And I said, you know, there's something here. Other people should be doing this. And that was kind of the little kernel that I started to build on. Um, And what eventually became the membership economy and the forever transaction and all of the other work that I've, that I've since done. Super smart, I reckon. I think it's very, very, (laughs) very wise. And I think for people listening, I think that strategy that you've taken to really think carefully and identify an area that you could you know, kind of, kind of own and uh, and become an expert on is a very, very smart strategy because we we often don't take the time to do that. We just sort of jump into something we we, we like <laughs> and feels <laughs> feels right. And you've written you've written two books. You mentioned the the membership economy and the forever transaction. And you know, tell us what you what do you mean by membership services and and also the second book, the forever transaction. And I'm kind of intrigued as well. Are we talking about you know products here, or is this a is this a, a new mindset? Yeah, it's such a good question. So when I was writing the membership economy, um, I was really trying to you know I'm a very analytical person, and, and I was trying to decide you know what what is in the membership economy, what isn't it? Does it mean that you have to have subscription pricing? Does it mean that the customers have to call themselves members, like I'm a member of Netflix? Or what if they don't call themselves members? What if, like with Spotify, they call themselves listeners? Or with Microsoft, they call themselves users? Or with a newspaper, they might call themselves readers? Does that matter? And what the conclusion I came to was that uh, it's all about a member mindset. Um, That's the most important thing. And if you want to justify subscription pricing, which everybody seems to want, you have to justify it with a forever promise. What is the reason that somebody should trust you enough to give you money every month or every year without considering alternatives. And businesses that focus on that forever promise and create a forever transaction with their customer, those are the companies that are part of this membership economy. And so you don't have to have subscription pricing to be a member, um, but it's, it's a really nice way of formalizing the relationship and of generating recurring revenue. So for example, Apple, up until the last couple of years, they didn't have a lot of subscription revenue, but they still had a member mindset where, you know, they really thought about if, if we're going to completely solve the problem of your technology footprint for, for individuals in an elegant way, what does that look like? So all their products fit together. They have really great support. 
they really reward people who fully engage with the Apple ecosystem, and they really optimize for that long-term relationship, even without having a subscription. And then in contrast, there are companies that try to solve, uh, try to charge subscription pricing, but don't have that long-term focus. Um, and to me, that's not really part of the membership economy. That's somebody who's trying to take advantage of it without actually doing the work and creating the underpinning value. They do charge for sort of using things like iCloud data, don't they, on a kind of monthly basis now. And and also you can find through Apple and iCloud having all sorts of different subscriptions, which I'm sure they're probably yeah. making a monthly margin on um, sort of facilitating that. So they're, they're moving in that direction. Oh, yeah. And Apple Plus with all the video content, they've completely moved to services revenue and to a subscription model. And I think it was easier for them because they already had that member mindset even before they introduced all of their various subscription offerings. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we'll find out more about this. And it might be that in in your organization, or it might be a you know, you might be a single person thinking about uh, developing something like this with some products you've got, or you might be a, a big or a big corporation. You know, have a think about what, you know, you know how, how things operate for you, or you might like them to operate. And uh, there'll be some tips and ideas and thoughts about uh, understanding this area and taking um, a project through to implementation. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers for our special series on the power of partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Learn how you can become the savvy leader who takes your organization across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business innovation the power of partnerships changing the game for digital transformation presented by sap on the business channel you are tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Robbie Kelman-Baxter. Welcome back. And we're talking about subscription services. We've been talking about um, about Robbie's uh, books, the membership economy, and the forever transaction, and and, and what, they, what that meant. And we've been talking about Apple and Netflix. And, and it, it seems that, Robbie, that there were, uh, well, actually, I think I'd like you to answer uh, just a little bit more about the question I asked before the break, because I think we probably didn't necessarily fully talk about this being a, a mindset change, because I, I think I think this is about, um, is it about um, creating a product and making money, or is it actually, is it more about this this forever relationship, or is it is it both? What's What's important to do this really well? Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's. I'm really glad that you that you dug in on this um, because you know an organization needs to have a member mindset in order to justify the subscription revenue. And you know, so if you're if you're in you know a tra- tra- traditional transactional business where you sell a thing or you sell a service, um, and then you try to move to subscription revenue, you have to change your mindset to say instead of selling products 
we're helping our customer achieve a long-term goal or solve a long-term problem. And we're going to continue to layer in value over time to make our subscription offering better and better. That's part of the way you have to think in order to justify that subscription revenue. So it's it's a different way of designing products. It's a different way of serving your customer. It's a different way of supporting them because the sale is easier because it's just a small amount up front, but the engagement and retention become much more important. It, and it, it just seems like there's so many more people doing this. It seems to be opportunities to be paying people monthly um, <laughs> are increasing and increasing. And I, I opportunities. My, the opportunity, <laughs> yeah. I keep looking at mine. I've just, I've just put on hold because it's now the summer and I've just realized I'm still paying for Zwift and I'm not using it right now because I'm, I'm outside on my bike. So I've just put a, a halt to that for a couple of months. But you can, you can keep on giving this recurring income out to people <laughs> um, yeah. and ongoing. Just forget, don't you? And the, and the streams of cash just flowing out from you to them. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's really interesting, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about Netflix and, you know, recently they announced that if you have not used their product in a year and you're paying, uh, they will automatically cancel you. So if you have not used any of their content for a 12 month period, they will cancel your subscription for you because you're not getting value and they don't want to, they don't want to generate what they call zombie revenue. They don't want to generate revenue that they don't earn. And I think this is a really great example of having a member mindset, right? You want your member to be getting the value they're paying for so that they keep paying you, not that your member forgets that they're paying you and so they, or they have a hard time canceling, so they keep on paying you. And so I would wonder if Zwift or, you know, different organizations should think about automatically pausing uh, when someone's not using it or reminding you to pause or creating subscriptions where there's breaks. It's, it's increasingly popular for subscription businesses now to have a pause button to make it really easy to stop and restart when you're not using it. But the idea is if the customer trusts you to give them value, you, it, the next step is that if you're not getting value, that they they cancel you or they remind you so that you are getting value or that you can you can leave if you're not getting value. Yeah, I think I think that's really smart, and I, I know Zwift just pours everything. You don't lose everything. That's but it, it builds up. You know, you you can just uh, restart when you want to, which I think is nice. And you know, because I think we've had, I don't know, I, I've certainly had um, you know experiences with utilities companies and things like that. Who, you know, they that you end up not getting the best price prices. They they were happy to let you pay bigger tariffs and. Unfortunately, oh. it just leaves you in the longer term, it just leaves you with a negative perception. Yeah, well, it's funny that you bring that up because I'm a, you know, obviously I'm a subscription expert. And, yeah. uh, you know, during this time of COVID, uh, I wanted to upgrade my um, my telco relationship. I wanted to get, you know, faster, faster wireless. Uh, so my husband called and, you know, told them what we wanted. So first of all, we found out that we had really bad service, even though or we had a really bad box that we had paid, we were renting from them as part of our subscription. It was really old, even though our service was the highest end, the box itself was so old, it couldn't, it couldn't process that. And anyway, they ended up upgrading us and giving us new equipment and lowering our monthly price because we called. If we hadn't called, we would have continued paying a high price for inferior hardware that didn't allow us to get the value from the uh, from the uh, service we were paying for. And that makes me crazy because if we hadn't complained, we wouldn't have gotten what we deserved. And I, th- and I think what's even crazy with that during these times of COVID is that some of the big big utilities and uh, telecoms companies are actually have been not even giving you a phone line to call them. You've been on little chat lines and I've spent hours in these situations and I basically made a decision that I will move to, I'm going to move moving all my services to companies with exceptional reputations. Uh, So I don't have to deal with the, the hours and hours I've spent sorting out broadband problems and, utilities problems and uh, <laughs> leaving them all behind and wow. uh, picking picking the the very best in terms of in terms of reviews often smaller as well so you get to speak to people who who kind of care and are specializing in that area um 
So I think um, I, I'm kind of many, you know, we're all aware of the likes of Netflix and LinkedIn and, and there's also these app-based solutions. Of course, with technology, this is uh, also enabling people to, you know, to reach people through word of mouth and expand and grow. But I, I was reading, you know, some of your your um, book, The Forever Transaction, and I, I loved it. You started talking about toothpaste brands and I <laughs> razor blades doing this, and you know, content content providers embrace embracing this. And I'm kind of interested. You know, what what kind of co- companies are, are these? you know, best suited to, or is this relevant to any company with any kind of service? It's, it is, it's relevant to any kind of service where the customer has choices to solve their problem or achieve their goal. And that can be really anything from a car wash to heavy equipment to high-end professional services, consulting, retail, consumer products, nonprofits, volunteer organizations, anything where the customer has a choice on another way to solve the problem or achieve the goal. So when I first started, you know, I would think, well, you know, what about wedding dresses? Because that's really a one-time, you know, hopefully that's a one-time wear. Uh, So can you subscribe to a wedding dress? Well, maybe not to a wedding dress, but you could subscribe to um, special occasion clothing rentals, which would be like a rent the runway, or you could subscribe to uh, an organization that helped you uh, get the most out of your, your wedding planning process right? Where they did more than just wedding dresses. They were, were they, what's the problem when you buy a wedding dress? I want to have a great wedding. I want to look beautiful on an important day. There's lots of different goals and you can tap into any one of those. So, you know, there's, I think a lot of organizations, if they took a step back and said, what is that bigger promise that my customer is hoping that I will help them to achieve? That's, that's where the magic happens. That's where you figure out what your subscription could be. And, and it's interesting, companies even, you know, they they come up with ideas that you never thought you actually needed. So I love mm-hmm. that. It was all will be, I think you were talking about in your book. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they tell you when you should be changing the heads and various things, don't they? Yeah. And, and not just the heads, but how you're brushing. So, Robbie, you seem to be, you know, brushing too long in your lower left quadrant and not enough in the upper right quadrant or you're not spending enough, you know, or you're, you're, you're brushing too hard uh, or not hard enough and or not long enough. And so it's, it's really great for somebody, you know, I, I say in the book, you know, I have a disproportionate amount of plaque, uh, according to my dentist. And so having a toothbrush that can be adjusted for my needs is, is tremendously valuable. And especially when you look at the fact that most of us use this toothbrush that really hasn't changed in decades. Mm. It's, it's great to connect the, the technology and the personalization and to, you know, the goal is I want to have healthy teeth, right? I don't want a toothbrush. I don't want to brush my teeth. I want to have healthy teeth and I'm willing to brush my teeth to achieve that goal. Yeah. And, and, and teeth can cost you an awful lot of money. So oh, yeah. uh, it was a possible study as well, as well as discomfort. And my, my, um, my 10 year old was telling me over the weekend, whether this is true or not, he, I don't know, but uh-huh. he, he probably picks it up off of YouTube, I imagine, but he was going, he was, he was appalled. Dad, do you know that um, 99% of all toothbrushes that have ever been um, manufactured um, are still on the planet now? Oh, wow. Uh, so he was saying, can we use, start to use bamboo toothbrushes, he was saying. Oh, yeah. Getting very uh, sort of... They're disposable. Yeah. yeah but, you know, it was, I mean, they're recyclable. Yeah. Yeah, recyclable. Yeah. And that's, that's, really, um, that's really helpful. Um, so what do we have to consider then when we're planning and launching our own scheme? Yeah, well, it depends if you're, if you're starting from scratch or if you are uh, transforming your existing business. Um, if you're transforming your existing business, you want to start by taking that step back and saying, what's my promise to my members? What is, what is the goal that I'm trying to help them achieve or the problem I'm helping them to solve? And then say, what is the implication of that on my current product offering? And how do I better deliver on that longer-term pro- promise? What, what can I do on an ongoing basis? So, for example, if I sell you a bicycle, maybe it's about, you know, early on, maybe it's about repairs and maintenance and insurance, but it might also be about helping you get the most enjoyment from your bike, which might be about helping you find routes 
cycling clubs, um, you know, helping you find other people who ride at your pace. Um, so it's really about getting to the root of why your customers are coming to you in the first place and what more you can do for them on an ongoing basis. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Just no, so I just not just just jotted that down for my own reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always tell the good the my favourite interviews because I tend to have the most notes after them. Um, <laughs> and I'm also I, I wonder if you if you're a big big company and you're moving like like uh, the example there with all B and their tooth, toothbrushes, if you're moving from manufacturing something like a toothbrush and maybe maybe toothpastes. But suddenly you're you're you know planning and implementing a, a scheme which can become a, a forever uh, transaction. Does this require organisations to literally transform their culture to be able to facilitate this in a in a different way? Yeah, they need different metrics first of all, right? Because it's not just about acquisition, it's not just about transaction size, it's about engagement and retention. Um, if you start subscribing to, I think it's Quip that does the bamboo toothbrushes, right? And they have a replenishment model. So you get your new toothbrushes every two months or six weeks or whatever the time frame is. Um, it becomes really important, not just that you signed up for it, but that you stick with it. Mm. Um, and ideally that you're using your toothbrush because if you're not using that toothbrush, if you buy the bamboo one, but you're still using your old one and then the bamboo toothbrushes start piling up, um, then you're going to cancel your subscription. So understanding how your products are used, how frequently, how recently, and and how deeply um, is going to become really important. So you need to have new metrics uh, that align with those retention and engagement goals. You want to track lifetime customer value more than transaction size. So how much is that one customer worth? Yeah. Um, because if you know what they're worth, you know what you can spend to acquire a new one. So, so that really changes. And then from a cultural perspective, a lot of organizations have product teams where, you know, the product owners are the, the most important and most powerful in the organization. And suddenly you're going to care less about any one product and more about the customer. So uh, values change, priorities change, the processes you use internally start to change. And some people are going to feel, well, some people aren't going to understand it why you're doing it and kind of how it's more than just throwing subscription pricing on your existing products. And some people are actually going to feel threatened because what you value is going to change in the organization. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine that. I'm a, when, I, when I worked for Mars, or, you know, the, the, the people who could have a, you know, had a bit more swagger, you know, with the, the, the Mars brand manager or the you know, mm-hmm. Snickers, Snickers brand manager, you know, they had real yeah. kind of, had real kind of kudos in the business because they were looking after, multi-million pound brand I imagine then behind that it becomes actually much more about the the service and the customer relationship and really deeply uh, caring for that customer and providing a service that really really meets all of their needs it's it's a different mentality isn't it yeah it really is so but I think uh, I sense that this can help you become a better uh, customer a better, better business in terms of... Oh, yeah. Well, because if you if, if you use the candy example, right, the, the reason I, I like to have candy is maybe it's a treat for me um, or maybe it's something that I like to have in the house for when kids come over. Um, understanding why I like the candy and how I use the candy is going to help the company understand what new products to create and also what kind of service to layer in. Maybe there are other elements. Maybe if I only eat candy at parties to to incorporate more party stuff or party size or, you know, and maybe there's a replenishment model where it's about getting people to eat their candy, you know, so that they want more uh, or discovery of new candies, you know, to keep them excited. It, understanding what motivates somebody is really important. Yeah. And if they've got an all B subscription, that might, imp- that might also suggest. Right. Them. You can get them both, right. <laughs> when you get free with your, with your Mars subscription <laughs> and free toothbrush. <laughs> And if they, they might be they've got to compromise uh, with the with OLB over that. Oh, you know, you should only have so many bars of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to commercial break, and after the break, we'll have a think about uh, we've, we've about launching, but also you know critical mass, and also I'm interested. You know, it's just with a as a solopreneur, for example, you could develop your own membership program. So 
We'll be coming to that just after the break. Do join us again in just a couple of minutes. And if you've got any questions or comments, uh, do feel free to send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Um, we we'll always love to hear from you and always love to you know come back with any uh, any ideas that we can also share and give you answers and, and follow-up shows. So back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi chris cooper i'm with robbie kelman baxter who who is um absolute um, world expert on subscription pricing and membership models and uh, I've lost a talk before the break about um, you know about launching and planning and some great questions you know um, promise that you you're helping to solve uh, implications on your uh, my product offer you know what can I do on an ongoing basis to serve customers this is forever after all so let's assume Robbie that you've answered those questions and you've launched a a scheme, and it's developing some some critical mass, you know, um, online and through your your kind of marketing activities. What are the considerations now? Yeah, so if you want to go from from launch to scale, you know, in my my book, the the forever, so, so the first book, the membership economy, really just said this is a massive transformation. Any business can do it. Here's here's why it's so powerful, and here's how you can start thinking about it. Five years later you know, this April with the, the forever transaction, it's much more about how do you do it? So first section is how do you launch? Second section is how do you scale? And the third is how do you maintain your leadership position? So when it comes time to scaling, some of the challenges that come up are around what we were talking about before the break around culture, new metrics, new ways of doing processes, um, that's that's all critical. And then also, usually it's about putting in a technology infrastructure. And for a lot of businesses, having a digital footprint um, be core to the way you, to the product itself, and not just to support the existing products, is a really, really different way of thinking. You have to become a technology company. So that's that's a big part of this this scaling phase is what does it look like for your business to become a technology business? And you, 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 as a consumer, you, you know, now with lots of other subscription models, you're going to compare and contrast, aren't you? And, uh, and if, if something's very, very clunky, yes, it's going to yeah. have an impact, isn't it? How, how people perceive you. Yeah, exactly. There's this, um, you know, I call it subscription fatigue. Uh, you know, consumers, consumers are very, sophisticated about subscription now because of Spotify, because of LinkedIn, because of Netflix and the streaming wars, um, Slack at work, Zoom, you know, there's so many subscriptions that we're all using that we kind of know what to expect and what the standards should be. And you hear people all the time saying, well, I don't know why the onboarding experience isn't like the one on Amazon where they know who I am right away and wherever I come in from, or they make the recommendations or they you know, they remember what I did last time. Um, 
or they remember what I did from, you know, whether I'm on my phone or on my computer, um, those kinds of um, a very simple seeming uh, user elements are actually very hard to build and often very expensive. So consumers are getting tired of, of bad subscriptions because they know what a good subscription looks like and they understand when they have a subscription that's valuable. And then they can also tell when a subscription is not valuable. Um, why are you forcing me to subscribe when all I want to do is watch that one movie? Um, or why are you forcing me to subscribe to have unlimited access to use your software when I only want to use it once a month? Um, so, so companies really have to recognize if they're just now moving to subscription or moving to subscription broadly, they have to keep in mind that that they're going to be dealing with an audience that has expectations about what a subscription should be. Yeah. Yes. That's a very, very important point, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Really important. In fact, I was, I was playing around with one this morning that I'm paying a subscription on and I was stuck to make head a tail of it to get it to sync between my, my MacBook and my iPad. And uh, yeah, I'm just considering just, Stopping. <laughs> Canceling. Yeah, well, because it's easy to cancel. And so if you want to have a subscription, you have to remember that your customers are going to cancel if they're not getting value. If they don't feel like you're providing them with enough value to justify their time and money, they're going to cancel. Um, and so when you're moving to subscription, you have to keep that in mind. It's not enough to just get someone to sign up for subscription you might need them to stay for six or seven months or even longer before you get a return on your investment. So retention becomes critical and having frustrating, frustrating user interface problems that get Chris and others to cancel is a big red flag. I'm, I'm wondering, listening to all of this, and I'm starting to get a sense that uh, you know, organizations are, are putting millions and millions of dollars into this to to uh, stand out or at least um, you know maintain a, a good a good standard and keep improving and that's making me think now about solopreneurs who and smaller businesses who may not have those kinds of funds but are thinking about you know how do they develop their own membership programs and I could probably use myself as an example here Robbie because I've been hosting this show now for at the beginning of September will be nine years. So I have something like 380 hours of content. And I've been of late just transcribing those and reading them. I've got over five and a half thousand pages of content. And it's, it's just the, the nuggets of gold that are sitting within this content are just phenomenal. And although I haven't decided I'm going to create a membership program. I'm, I'm just thinking about what are the, what are the options and to, to enable people to access this because they struggle to, access you know all the marketing content or the self-development content you know so I'm just thinking there's something that I could maybe consider for the future here and um, what yeah. tips can you give yeah well so in in this case if you're talking about you know you have this huge amount of content um, and right now we can access it for free right we can go and you know listen to your old shows but you know, if you if you tie it to the forever promise, right? If you're helping somebody reach their full potential um, as a leader or as an independent, you know, as a, as a as an individual contributor, um, you know, and they're it's hard for them to find the self development, you know, the nuggets, right? In all of those pages, it's funny, but people will often pay more for less. They pay for curation, they pay for guidance, they pay for recommendations, right? That's why we pay more for um, you know, the chef's choice than we do when we buy an a la carte meal, right? We're paying a premium to get a beautifully composed offering that meets our needs. So in, in your case, you might tag all of your content or break it down into the snippets that are really valuable and tag them and create learning paths, right? And somebody might pay a lot more for a learning path than just to listen to the whole, the whole episode from start to finish. Um, and you could create a membership where, let's say, the the um, the entire court, the entire interviews are free, of course, but the the nuggets cost more. Um, and then the nuggets tied to human interaction, where you're guiding them, let's say, in a weekly mastermind. Suddenly, that kind of a membership, you know, listen to these nuggets, do this homework, meet with Chris for for expert insights. 
with a cohort, suddenly that becomes really valuable. And then those people who've gone through that program might want to stay connected in the community because they've all had this shared experience. And so they can ask, you know, they'd rather ask for advice from people who've gone through that experience and share the same education. So it becomes an ongoing membership. Um, And then maybe even some of those people become the instructors right, that are, that are pulling together the learning paths, that are leading the masterminds or the ask me anythings. But that's kind of a way of thinking about it, is you focus, what is, instead of saying, I'm just creating some content, say, what is the problem I'm solving or what is the goal I'm helping them achieve? And how do I take all of my assets, all of my recordings, all of my transcripts, all of the knowledge that's in my head, all of, maybe all of my contacts, right? You have tons of people in your network if somebody was going through your content and they said, hey, I have a question about this, you would probably know the person who could answer it. And that's worth a tremendous amount. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you, you articulated this beautifully and you, you hit on right at the beginning. And my, my purpose in life is to enable people and businesses to realize uh, their true potential. And that's, that's what I do. That's what every conversation is about. And it's why I started doing this show. And and I'm really, you know, I'm getting, just keep getting these nudges, which are just saying to me that you need to do, utilize this, this more in a, in a very, very coherent way to really help people, to, to help them to be able to lift and to elevate and to improve and to connect yeah. and collaborate. And, and, and if you took a step back and you said, if I were starting now and someone handed me the keys to the kingdom, said, here's all these assets, right? Here's the nine years of, of recordings and here's the Rolodex with all the cool people in it. And here's Chris's brain. Now build out an offering that will truly help people achieve their, their full potential and elevate their performance. What would you do with those assets? You might, you might put them together in a very different way. Yeah. Right, And you might focus on a particular segment of people and say, you know, after nine years, I know that these this particular type of person is the kind of person that I am best suited to help, who is going to get the most value and be the most able and willing to pay because they're getting so much value. And then optimizing your membership around those people. Robbie, thank you. That's uh, invaluable advice. Um, I shall be transcribing this interview as quickly as it's... <laughs> I've not managed to get quite all of that down, but that was really, really appreciated. And I'm intrigued. We've um, we've got a, we've got a few minutes left, and I'm wanting to just just find out now how you really help your clients. And uh, you know, tell us a bit because you speak and you you consult, and I know you're about starting to create your own podcast. And so, how, <laughs> how do you work with clients today? And I imagine there's only I don't know if you have a team of people. Tell, tell us a bit more about all of that. Yeah, well, um, I work with a pretty broad range of businesses that are moving through the transi- transitions that we talked about that are going on that journey. Um, and I work as an advisor. So I help them um, make sure that they have a clear vision of of what the world's going to look like when their membership is fully realized and then take it all the way back to what is that first step? Who are you making your forever promise to? What is that promise? And then, you know, designing the minimum viable product, testing it, and then working with them to, to scale it across their organization or to reinvent it if they've been doing it for a while. And, you know, like a lot of newspapers and gyms, it's getting a little long in the tooth and needs a a fresh look. So, um, you know, I work with, you know, a few companies at a time and really try to serve as a, as a guide to help them avoid the, avoid the pitfalls and move faster, um, avoid the, the, the problems that I've seen other organizations, other organizations have. So, um, that's, yeah, that's, and, and it's, it's, it was doing, it's 20 years in the trenches doing that, that actually drove me to write the two books. Um, the books are based on my work. I, you know, my new, you mentioned I have this podcast. It's going to come out in a few weeks. I haven't officially announced it yet, but um, I'm about to. So sneak peek. Uh, but it's called Subscription Stories, True Tales from the Trenches, because that's been my viewpoint is, you know, being in there with companies as they're tinkering with their models, building their models, changing their models to try to really align with the long-term goals of their customers. Wow. Well, that sounds... Uh having met you and got to know you, uh, if this is something that's uh, really whetted your appetite, that sounds like it's going to be an excellent series to to listen to and to learn from. And uh, 
Uh, and if you're if you're doing this brilliantly right now, potentially be a guest uh, on on that. Um, so we're coming to the end of the interview now, and this has been absolutely brilliant. And I just wonder if you've got a final message that you'd like to leave us with. Well, I I, I think the thing I, I want to say is that you know if you're listening and you're thinking, wow, this seems like a lot of work to change to a subscription model, um, and it seems overwhelming. My advice to you is to just today figure out what is the forever promise that your customers are coming to you for already. What is it that why are if you ask them why do you why do you do business with this company? What is the reason they say? Because I'm trying to what I'm trying to elevate. Uh, you know, I want to reach my full potential because I want to look beautiful when I go to work and professional because I uh, want to understand the world around me through this newspaper and make better decisions, whatever that reason is. And then say, how can I right now better serve that goal? And even before you switch to subscription pricing or build your digital footprint or you know, change your corporate metrics. If you just change your mindset to focusing on that long-term problem instead of just on your products, I think you'll already see all kinds of room to build tighter relationships and more long-lasting and valuable ones. Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I've certainly taken a lot from this and uh, I think the people who are listening to this will do as well. So, Big, big thank you. Been absolutely brilliant. And and if you've got any questions or comments, then um, feel free to come to me, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. You can also, um, I recommend you go and check out Robbie's website because I think it's fantastic. And I've really enjoyed the video uh, with you talking, Robbie. Uh, it was really helpful and informative and uh, it gives, gets a sense of the kind of people that you're, you're connecting in your world. So go to robbiekelmanbaxter.com, uh, check out that website. And on next week's show, I'm actually going to have a, a a week off and have a little break with the the family, just doing things locally, spend a bit of time with the children, and uh, and be a good dad. Um, so I thought we'd um, replay a show that I did recently with uh, Barry Shaw on living with joy, um, because it's so upbeat. Barry is an incredible individual. He's uh, he's absolutely full of energy. Um, very successful guy. Lives in Beverly Hills, um, but had a a serious um, illness within an hour suddenly be- got ill, became paralyzed and spent two years literally being turned over uh, in a hospital bed. And then four more years in a wheelchair, just being cared for. He's now still being cared for, but he swims two miles a day, every day. And uh, he's just um, committed his life to joy and, uh, and, and people like Oprah Winfrey just love his work. So just, just um, some positivity I thought in these COVID times would be, a good show to, to repeat. So any questions, say comments, do come get in touch with me. Always love to hear from you. Um, if I can help you in any way, uh, then I always will. Then um, you take care. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.